how many are really hungry for the word this morning? You know, recently I had an opportunity to go and have breakfast with a young man, and the young man was asking me, how do I stay stirred up? And I said, really, it's not as hard as you might think. All you got to remind yourself of is a, a glass of milk, and you want to make it chocolate milk. When you do that, what do you do? You pour the chocolate syrup in, right, James? He'll, I mean, he's a professional chocolate milk maker, and he'll take that milk and he'll fill the glass up about yay big. And then he starts to pour the chocolate in it. It probably about an inch or two down at the bottom. Not that, maybe I'm exaggerating. It's not that much. But then what does he do? Does he just leave it down there on the bottom? Or does he use something to stir it up? He takes a spoon. And he takes that spoon and he begins to stir it up. And eventually what happens? All that chocolate becomes mixed in with the milk, and then it becomes something that he enjoys to drink. Amen. Well, how do we stir up our hearts? With our spoon, or you could say it this way, more importantly say it this way, our tongues. You stir it up with the words of faith being by using your mouth. And another way is by praying in the Spirit. It's one of the benefits about praying in the Holy Spirit. It stirs you up spiritually. Amen. But you need to come into each church service saying, God, I expect to get, to get something good this morning. I'm expecting to receive from you. I don't expect to stay the same. I fully believe when I leave through those doors, my life's going to change. My life will be changed. Amen. So whose responsibility is that for that to happen? Mine or yours? It's yours. And so, again, even though we might have a lot of empty chairs this morning, who cares? You're here. And I hope you have the understanding. If you're here, you should be expecting to receive something. Everybody ready to receive? Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Well, this morning I want to continue with our study that we've been on for several, 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 several weeks. And the part we've been talking about, and it's what manner of man Jesus was when he was here on the earth. And, and our primary focus for the past several Sundays has been on faithfulness. On faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Is faithfulness, or let me rephrase that. Was faithfulness seen in the life of Jesus when he walked the earth? Was Jesus reliable? Could he be counted on? Was he dependable? Was Jesus Christ faithful? Did he always do what the Father asked of him? And so he is our Lord. He is our Savior. We're called to be like Christ. Amen. We're called to be faithful. Every one of you should have that burning on the inside of you. Do you understand how important that is to be found faithful? Do you understand how important it is to be found faithful? At the beginning of this study on faithfulness, when we started to talk about faithfulness, we were talking about eventually, one day, in a very soon future, I believe, you're going to be standing before Jesus Christ by yourself with nobody else around you. Your spouse won't be there. Your kids won't be there. Your parents won't be there. Your pastor won't be there. Nobody's going to be there but you and Jesus. And he's going to ask you a simple question. What did you do with what I gave you? Were you found faithful to do what I asked you to do? Now, I don't know about you, 
But you've heard me say this over and over and over again. And I'm telling you, this, is, this burns in me. My greatest desire is to stand before Jesus Christ on Judgment Day and hear him say, well done, Daniel, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest that I've prepared for you. That should be every one of your desires. And that's why, again, if you have that mentality, if that is at the forefront of your thinking, then this world and the things of this world don't get you caught up in it. See how I'm saying that? Your, your focus gets off of the things around you and your focus gets up on him and the things above. Do you see how I'm saying that? It's, it's just important. I'm not saying it's wrong to have stuff. But that should not be our primary focus. I was riding with Ronnie the other day. And uh, when we were, we were traveling over here, and it's, I know this is going to sound really strange, but that's okay. Because Brooke, was, she, had, she was sitting up front with me, and she was pray, playing a bunch of old songs from my day. Rock and roll songs. And I was just expressing how today there aren't many rock and roll bands out there like in my day. And, but we were listening to one Journey song, and he was talking, and uh, it was, it's actually called Faithfully, isn't it? And, and, and so anyway, he was talking about rediscovering his love for his, I guess, spouse, mate, whoever it was. I don't know who it was. But, but all of a sudden, as I was, I was sitting there and I was praying in the Spirit, I started to think about that. And all, it, just, it just rose up in me. I believe... And I, and I mean this toward the whole body of Christ, not just this particular group, but it is for you too. I believe that we would be able to face any challenge we faced in this life without any kind of, of, of issues about wondering if we're going to make it through if we could rediscover his love for us. In other words, if we could fall in love with him again. And that's where, again, I just started to say that to him. I said, Jesus, I want to fall in love with you again. I want to fall in love with you just like it was when the first time you revealed yourself to me. I want, I want, I want to be so excited. I mean, like, like when I was walking with Brother Matt Gober and just saying, saying to him, I want to jump on the highest mountain and shout out, Jesus is real. This is real. Why would I be like that? Because... I was getting the revelation of how much he loves me. You've heard me minister along those lines. The greatest revelation I've ever had in my walk with him is how much he loves me. And so I, I, I charge you. Ask him. Lord, help me to fall in love with you again. I want to fall in love with you. Rediscover my love for you. And rediscover your love for me. Amen. Glory to God. How did I get off on that? I did, but it was good there, right? Aren't you glad you came to church just to hear that part? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyway, so we're going to be standing before Jesus Christ soon. And we're going to have an opportunity to tell him what we did with what he gave us. Everybody needs to have this desire. To hear those words fall from the master's lips. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, so as of late, we've been looking at the attributes and characteristics of God. 
that speak of his faithfulness. And these are attributes and characteristics that each one of us as his followers should have in our lives as well. Amen. We've seen, number one, that our God is always there. I said our God is always there. Hallelujah. He will always be with us even to the end of the age. He never will leave us. He'll never forsake us. He will not. He will not. He will not let go of us. He's going to always be there for us. And friends, if we're going to imitate Jesus Christ, we need to be there. We need to be there for our, 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 our children. We need to be there if you're children for your parents. If, you're, if you're, you work for somebody, you need to be there for your employer. If you're a, a, a boss, you need to be there for your employees. Amen. It's important to be there. Hello? You know what? Uh, one of the biggest problems in this country, well, throughout the world probably, more to say it in a more bigger scale, is parents aren't there for their kids. You know why they're having so much issues in the black communities? It's because the fathers aren't there. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, the statistics of single-parent families in the black communities. The parents just aren't there. Part of being responsible Part of being found faithful is we're called to be there. I mean, aren't you glad that no matter where you go, no matter where you're at, that God is there? I don't, I mean, I, I remember, uh, and I believe I said this when I first was doing this teaching and got to this point, that one of God's names is Jehovah Shammah. He is the Lord who is there. And I remember when I was studying, because we were teaching on the different names of God, and that went, went off so strongly in my heart. Because no matter where I'm at, no matter how badly I've missed it, doesn't matter if I'm living sold out to him at that moment, wherever I'm at, he's there. And that blesses me. And that's the way we need to be for those people in our lives. Be there for those people. Amen. Number two, we've seen that our God cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Aren't you thankful that it is impossible for him to lie? Amen. He hates lying with a passion. We looked at that. Where it, it, those are two of the things that he cannot, he, he just despises it, is lying. And my friends, listen to me. If God hates it and God doesn't do it, guess what? Neither should we do it and we too should hate it. If you have a tendency... To sometimes embellish things when you're talking to somebody. You know what I mean by that? Make it bigger than it really is. Or you have a tendency sometimes when you've been caught doing something yet you weren't supposed to do. Well, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to tell a lie. They'll never know. No, they won't, but God will. Everybody listening? Just smile real big because you know I'm not talking about you. We should hate lying. Young people, you should hate lying. Old people, you should hate lying. God hates it, we hate it. Amen. It's impossible for him to lie. It should be said of us, it's impossible for us to lie. I really, really despise it. And again, when we're on that particular area, I emphasize to you, 
if my kids messed up, I would rather them come to me and tell me the truth than to lie to me. It hurt me more when I found out that they had lied than what they had done. Amen. Do not lie. Everybody say, I hate lying. Everybody say, it's impossible for me to lie. Ooh, you said it, didn't you? All right, then. There you go. Praise the Lord. Another thing we've seen about our God, and all of these things speak of his faithfulness, is that our God never changes. He is always the same. And if we are to be faithful, then once the Holy Spirit has revealed to us what his will is, we will not back off of that. If it is God today, it will be God tomorrow. If it is God's will today, it will be God's will tomorrow. Yes. Hallelujah. That means we stay planted in the church God has called us to. No matter how challenging it may get. Thank God I'm not looking at a bunch of people that are going to leave if things happen that are challenging. But it doesn't work that way in the church world. So many people will come alongside of churches. I'm not just specifying this church, but it has happened in this church so many times. They'll come. They'll say, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it it, will last sometimes a couple of weeks, sometimes a couple of months, sometimes maybe even a couple of years. And then all of a sudden somebody gets offended. Something was said wrong or it was, you know, misinterpreted or something happened where the the pastor saw you in Walmart and didn't say hi to you. I've actually had someone get offended at me because I didn't recognize him in a store. And guess what? I didn't even see him. But they got offended at me. Isn't that sad? It's just amazing to me how someone will throw away What they believe God has spoken for them to to do, to be at that local church, thrown it away because they got offended. Let me ask you a question. Is that the Holy Spirit leading somebody or is that the devil driving somebody? I don't know about you, but I don't want the devil driving me around with a whip. Isn't that how we used to live our lives? But that's not the way we're supposed to be living right now, is it? Once we find out what the will of God is, we do not back off of it. We do not change from that particular thing. Amen. That means we do the things, do the things the same whether someone's watching us or not. That means we do things with excellence as unto the Lord. No matter how big or how small. Did you hear that? I can't, I've said to my daughter and my son and my daughter-in-law, it doesn't matter what you're asked to do. Do it with your whole heart. Put your whole heart into it. What happens when you're found faithful in the small things? What happens? God brings increase. But what if you're not found faithful in the small things? Why would he promote you on to bigger things? It's not going to work. And I know, I, I, I believe I said this the last time, when I was talking along this line, that's where, you know, people have the mentality. Well, God, as soon as you bring that great blessing to me, that million dollars, oh, I'll give. 
I'll give. No, you won't. If you're not faithful in the little amount that you've got right now, why do you think you're going to be faithful in the big amount when it comes in? You're proving your heart out right now. You're proving yourself out right now by what you do with what you already have. Oh, man, I think I've got to turn around because everybody's kind of, Oh, Pastor Dan, can't we shout this morning? How many know this is important? Be found faithful in the little things. And God will bring bigger things to you. Be found faithful in the finances you have right where you're at. And God will bring greater finances to you. You know, I I was just thinking about this the other day. Joan and I have always been tithers. We have never not tithed. I know that's a double negative, but you get what I'm saying. We've always tithed. And this was something we've taught Brooke and James and Riley. And guess what they do the moment they get their monies? Do you tithe? Do you tithe? Do you tithe? They tithe. They've been taught those principles. And that, I was just thinking about that the other day. What a blessing it is for us to have taught them these things and they don't even hesitate. They just immediately do it. Amen. It's the way it should be for all of us. We should want to impart these things to our children. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for the couple. Thank you. I'll preach to you today, okay? At least you're amen in me. Your pastor is kind of like looking at me like, can we move on, Pastor Dan, please? So we've seen that our God is always there. We've seen that our God cannot lie. And we see that our God never changes. And that's the way we're supposed to live our lives. Amen. Let me conclude one more thing. I'm going to say one more thing because I didn't say this about that last one. That our God never changes. He's always the same. Whenever you give your word to somebody... Whenever you give your word to somebody, stick to it. Be a person of integrity. Even when it hurts. Even when it's a challenge for you because something better came up. Has has that ever happened to somebody? I mean, have you ever volunteered? Yeah, I'll come and help you. I'll do some work with you. And then all of a sudden someone calls you up and says, hey, you want to go to the lake today? You want to go, you know, boating today? You want to go do this thing today? Am I the only one that's ever had something like that happen? But the Bible says we're called to swear to our own hurt. Which means even when it hurts, we're going to still do it anyway. That's called faithfulness, guys. And we need to be found faithful when those kinds of things happen. Amen? All right, praise the Lord. Now go with me this morning, moving on to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to get this done today, hopefully. So I'm going to probably have you in here probably about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Okay, maybe not. Some of y'all are like looking at me. Jeez, can everybody just smile real quick? Is everybody good? Everybody happy this morning? Everybody love Jesus? Everybody love Pastor Dan? Thanks, Zena. You didn't even say yes to that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, listen. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Question. A steward is to be found what? I want to see if everybody can answer the question at one time. A steward is to be found faithful. 
Thank you for saying it through a yawn over there, Zena. Praise the Lord. Notice how being found faithful is an option for a steward, is it? It's required. Well, what is a steward? The Greek word actually refers to a person who managed the household or the estate of another. They were to do exactly what they had been told to do by the owner of that particular house or estate. In other words, they ran the business affairs of that household and they did it the owner's way, not their own. Okay? Everybody got an understanding of what a steward is? God has called each of us, everybody in here, including myself, to be faithful stewards over the things he's put into our hands. We are to be, don't get this, faithful stewards over our callings. We are to be faithful stewards over our families. We are to be faithful stewards over our businesses. And we are even to be faithful stewards over our minds and our physical bodies. In other words, we take care of what the Lord has placed in our hands and do what he tells us to do. Now, let me say this where this ministry is concerned. Joan and I have been called to be the pastors of this church. How many believe that's true? Thank you for the one, two, three, four people. Praise the Lord. Joan and I have been called to be the pastors of the church. And as the pastors, part of our responsibilities includes being faithful stewards over this church. That means we're called to do what God has told us to do here. This isn't about Joan and me. It's not what we want to do. It's what he wants to do through us. What he's put into our hands to do. Everybody understand that? He gives us the vision. Then we turn around and make the vision plain to you. And then you help us run with that vision. Did you get that? In other words, all of us, everybody say, that includes me. All of us are called to run with the vision God has for this church. Now, as your pastor, I want you to know that Joan and I are, we want to hear and have input from you guys. We want to hear suggestions from you guys as to how we can grow this church or how we can reach more people for Jesus Christ. But how many understand that doesn't mean that Joan and I will automatically begin to implement those kinds of things in the church right away? Now, is that a slam to you personally? Absolutely not. But since God has placed us here as the pastors and the stewards of this ministry and has equipped us and anointed us and given us the wisdom to oversee and run this ministry... You've got to believe that we're going to hear from the Lord, right? And as, I mean, we're going to hear from him as to what we need to be doing here at Celebration of Life Church and the timing for those kinds of things. The bottom line is this. Just because we don't immediately implement what you bring to us, what you're believing the Lord has told you that you're supposed to do, doesn't mean we're never going to do it. And this is something that helped me when I was over under another pastor. 
If it's God today, it will be God tomorrow. In other words, if what you suggest to me is God, just because we don't do it immediately doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Because if it's God, it will come to pass. Because if it's God today, it will be God tomorrow. Everybody get that? Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me say something very important here. Without the direction of the Lord, we're not going to step out and do anything here at Celebration of Life Church. No matter how much it may seem that it's needed. Now, I want you to pay close attention to how I'm saying this. As Christians, we are not called to be need-led. We're called to be spirit-led. Especially right now in this time, this transition time, how many know there's a lot of needs that need to get done? But you also understand if we try to go out and just figure it out on our own and start to try to take care of all of these different needs at one time, we're going to end up falling flat on our faces. And we're going to get so frustrated and we're going to get so, you know, just seeing things fall away and things messed up and so forth and so on. We, can't, uh, we cannot allow ourselves to be uh, 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 directed by the needs of this church. Now, remember this. How many know that God knows everything? So when he looks down upon us in this church, do you not think that he already knows what the needs are of this church? In other words, when something needs to get done, he will direct us to step out and do it. Everybody with me? Amen. And so it, what it really comes down to is the Bible says this in Psalm 127, uh, I believe it's the first verse, unless the Lord builds the house, James, are you back there? All right. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. In other words, we could try to figure things out, like I said, and we could go jump on a bunch of stuff. But unless the Lord's in it, we're doing it really for no reason at all. I want God's best, don't you? I want to see... This thing flourish. I believe, again, God has been directing this. I, I've been saying this, and I know I've probably said it to you. There's no way that, that Pastor Joan and me could have sat down and orchestrated all that's been going on right now. There's so many moving pieces in all of this. But God, everybody say, but God. But God is able, isn't he? And I tell you, he's building this house. And he's going to keep building this house. And I keep being reminded of what he said to me back in October at that RMAI meeting. You're just getting started. I believe we're going to see some huge things happening. And you're going to be a part of it. But we're not going to jump out and do something just because it's there. We're going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we will find when we do that, we'll have peace. We'll see things falling into place. All the, uh, 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 the things that uh, need to be there will be there. 
the finances, the labor, so forth and so on. Everything will be there as long as we're following his lead. And then when he's building the house, how many know that house is going to be blessed? I want him blessed. I don't want to labor in vain. I want my house blessed. And it can happen as, follow, as long as I'm following the Spirit of the Lord. As long as we are following the Spirit of the Lord. And you can my wife, I've said this to you before as well, but it bears repeating right here. She's a visionary. If it was up to here, up to her, up to here, if it was up to her, we would already have so much stuff going on, left and right and up and down and all around. And I'm not saying that negatively toward her. But at the same time, I've had to kind of, she, she says she's the visionary, I'm the, what do you call me, the, the what? I'm the reins, I pull the reins back, whoa, Nelly, whoa. But the, the thing is, but she's learned this. She knows if it's God today, it will be God tomorrow. And she knows if, hey God, if this is you, you're going to get it through to my husband. Huh? I don't think I'll share that with the people. That will not go on the... She said, move the mountain, you're the mountain. Well, hallelujah to that one. That made me feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, I want to say this. This is important to understand. If two people in an organization, or you could even say in a marriage, have two visions, that's known as die to vision. Division. Does God like it when there's division? Division, the God knows a house divided cannot stand. So that's again why it's important that there be people over a particular organization, a business, a family, a church, are the ones that are going to be hearing from God. And once they hear from God, it's up to them to again turn around, share the vision, make it plain so we can all run with it. Amen? Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Well, this is coming to pass. Hallelujah. How many know that's true? And I, you know, and uh, let me just say this. <laughs> you, Joan and I will stand before the Lord, too. I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ. And he will ask me, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you follow my directions? Or did you follow the directions of the people? Did you follow the needs? Or did you follow my spirit? I want to be found faithful. I've said it already. I want to be found faithful. And there's only one way that will happen. Is if I do what he tells me to do. Everybody in agreement and understand that. Amen. Go with me quickly to 1 Samuel 15. Praise God. Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel 15, I want to give you an example from the Word of God of someone who was given instructions from the Lord but didn't follow through with them. 1 Samuel 15, verse 1 says, Samuel also said to Saul, this speaking of King Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Very simple. Listen to God, do what God's telling you to do. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. So, what's happening right here? The Lord's saying this through Samuel. I will punish Amalek. In other words, what's happening to Amalek is judgment is falling upon them. Why? Because they came against the people of God. It's very important you understand this. This is judgment happening to Amalek because of what they did to God's people. Uh, Verse 3. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Seems pretty extreme, doesn't it? But what is this again? This is judgment coming upon Amalek for attacking and trying to destroy God's people. Everybody with me? So the word of the Lord for King Saul was simple. Go and attack Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they had. And so Saul heads out and he leads Israel against them and he ends up whooping the Malachites. But notice what happens with Saul in verse 9. But, the, but Saul and the people spared Agog. Agog was the king of Amalek. And the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. So Saul decides that he has a better idea than God's. So he spares the life of the king, he spares the life of the best animals, And then notice what happens as a result. Samuel confronts him in verse 18. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agog, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So what is he doing now when he's being confronted? He's making excuses, isn't he? In other words, he's saying, I did what the Lord told me to do, sort of. I did what the Lord told me to do, kind of, pretty much. But I thought it would be better for me to bring the king back with me so the people could see what I did. And I figured, hey, I might as well keep the best of the animals to sacrifice to God. Let God see what, you know, how good I am. Now, I want you to notice what ends up being happening here. Because in reality, what really happened with Saul is he wanted some of the glory. Notice verse 22. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, 
to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you, King Saul, have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Is this strong or what? It is very strong. Did it cost Saul to disobey the Lord? Big time. He ended up losing his kingship. Friends, what Saul did here is a perfect illustration of someone who wasn't faithful to do what God had instructed him to do. Saul decided to do it his own way instead of God's way. Did you know that one of Hale's favorite songs is I did it my way. You ever heard that song before? So is it okay to do things our own way? No. A faithful steward will do things the Lord's way. That means once we've heard from the Lord, we don't deviate from his plans. Because if we do, we'll be just like Saul in rebellion against the Lord. So do you understand why it's important for Jonah and me to always stick with God's vision for this ministry? Do you understand that? I refuse to be in rebellion towards my God and what he's called us to do here. In other words, by his grace, we're going to always do it his way. Now, we've already seen in this study the greatest example of faithfulness is, was, and is Jesus. And I don't have to go through the scriptures. I've got a bunch of them here. But Jesus always did what his father told him to do, right? Always, all the way to the cross. In fact, in verse uh, John 8, 29, excuse me, John 17, 4, he said this. Jesus is speaking to his father. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Did Jesus always do what his father told him to do? We already said yes. And at the end of his journey, he was able to say, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. But... Was there ever a time in the life of Jesus when he didn't feel like doing it? And that's kind of a curveball question for a lot of people. Was there ever a time where Jesus didn't feel like doing what God was asking him to do? How many remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he was so intense in prayer that his sweat became his blood. And he said, Father... Can you remove this cup from me? But not my will. Your will be done. Even though he didn't feel like doing it, he did it anyway, didn't he? What was happening at that point in time? Jesus was being made sin with our sins. 
You think that was an easy thing for him for that to happen to him? Not even close. He was being made sin with our sins. And he wanted the Father to remove that cup from him. But at the same time, he wanted to do what his will was. Not my will, but your will be done. And he became sin with our sin. Praise you, Jesus. He was, he was faithful all the way to the cross, as I said. But because he was faithful to go to that cross and die there for our sins, we now get to live with him forever. Is being faithful important to us? Oh my goodness, speak time. In conclusion, I want to share a few things. I just want to jot it down a few characteristics of a faithful man. You can write these down. I just want you to, as I'm reading these out, see how many of these traits are already a part of the way you go about your business. A faithful person is careful to fulfill a promise. In other words, you're reliable. A faithful person is dedicated in carrying out duties and responsibilities with a good attitude. In other words, you do what you do is unto the Lord. A faithful person is diligent in work. You stay steady and energetic, energetic no matter how great or how small the task is. A faithful person is dependable. You can be dependable. You can be counted on. A faithful person is thorough. You're not just a good uh, starter, but you're also a great finisher. A faithful person pays attention to details. You don't let things fall through the cracks. A faithful person is punctual. You show up on time and you meet deadlines. A faithful person is consistent and constant. You're not up one day and down the next. A faithful person doesn't just look good on the surface, but you're solid through and through. In other words, you don't just talk a good game, you live it. You are a solid Christian through and through. A faithful person is honest and trustworthy. You're not underhanded or sneaky. And a faithful person meets and exceeds expectations. You don't just do enough to get by, you're willing to go the extra mile. How many of those traits do you have in your life? If, you're found, if you find that you're lacking in any of those areas, don't be condemned about it. Just trust the Lord to elevate your life and give you the grace to walk in and live out these characteristics in your life so that you can then rise up and be that faithful man or woman that he's created you to be. So my prayer for each one of you in this room today is that you're now fully, that you fully understand the importance of being a faithful man or woman. You're called to be faithful, my, my friends. Every one of you is called to be faithful. And may every one of us live with the understanding that soon and very soon we will stand before Jesus Christ and answer to him for what we did with what he gave us. You know, I... I, I I understand we live in the here and now. We live in this world. We live in this. We have all these different things happening. We work jobs, secular jobs, many of you. You see, you know, you have needs. You have things that you, you might need a, a place to live. You want to 
you need a new car, you need a new washer and dryer, all of these different things. What can happen is you get so caught up in those things that you take your focus of why you're really here. I've said this to you when I first started this teaching about the importance of understanding if, if it was just us getting saved and that was all it was about, when we got saved, we would have been out of here at that very moment. Bam, gone. Straight to heaven. But that's not it, is it? Once we got born again, God left us here for a reason. As I've heard one minister say, so that we can practice living the life of faith on all the stupid demons that are here. But it's also so that we can be those faithful men and women of God who go out and allow God to use us to bless those people, to reach those people for him. Amen? That's got to be at the forefront of our thinking. Some of you guys have tremendous gifts on the inside of you. And you've got to get a hold of that. And say, God, I'm determined to use this that you've given to me to further your kingdom in the earth today. I want to be a blessing. I desire to be a blessing. And God would say to you, you be found faithful. You be found faithful to do whatever I'm asking you to do. Even if it seems small to you and insignificant to you, do it anyway as unto him. And when you live your life that way, you're going to find increase happening in your life. More and more and more and more. Amen? Amen. Jesus was faithful. We're called to be faithful. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you right now for this word. You know, and as we are closing up this particular section of this study on faithfulness, I cannot express to you, first of all, Again, how thankful I am that you are always faithful.